Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Peak Results Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rich Fournier. Now on this episode, I'm sitting down with Bill Tom. He's a real estate agent and broker of record with Remax Realtron Bill Tom Group Realty Brokerage based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Now he has obtained some amazing awards within the organization. He's a Remax Hall of Famer. He's won the Chairman's Award, the Diamond Award. Um, he's consistently in the top 100 in Canada for individual production. In 2015, he was ranked number three for Remax Canada and number three for Remax Worldwide. And of course, he's been awarded Remax's highest award called the Luminary of Distinction. Um, in this episode, you're going to find out that he is a true gentleman, and I'm 100% positive that you're going to learn a ton of distinctions about how to be a stronger producer in the real estate game. So stay tuned. Have you ever wondered why some people thrive in all areas of their life? Welcome to the Peak Results Academy podcast with your host, Rich Fournier. Each week, we interview industry experts who consistently dominate in the fields of health, business, and beyond. Our mission is to share their personal struggles and strategies so that you can create your own peak results. Welcome to the Academy. Well, hello, and welcome back to this episode of Peak Results Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rich Fournier, and on this episode, I'm very excited to be sitting down with Bill Tom. He's a real estate agent and broker of record with Remax Realtron, the Bill Tom Group Realty Brokerage based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Bill, welcome to the show. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Richard, for inviting me. You know, as you know, Bill, in this podcast, I'm always trying to figure out what our guests have done in the past and what they're currently doing now to create that peak result in their business and life. And you've, you've definitely created some peak results in your real estate business. And, you know, some people are uncomfortable talking about it. But so before we get started, I, I do want to maybe get your permission to share, um, to share a little bit about what you've accomplished, you know, over 30 years in real estate, 25 years with Remax. And if you're okay with that, I'm going to share a little bit about some of your successes. By all means. So you, uh, you're in the Remax Hall of Fame. You won the Chairman's Award, the Diamond Award. You're consistently in the top 100 in Canada with Remax. Uh, in 2015, you were ranked number three in Canada for individual production and number three in the, in the world. I think yes. in the world for Remax, over 98,000 real estate agents at the time. Um, you've been awarded Remax's highest award called the Luminary of Distinction. Um, Bill, you've had one heck of a distinguished and amazing career. Um, wow. Thank you for the accolades. Yeah, it's um, it's rare. Let, let, let's be honest. You know, our industry is about serving people. It's about helping them make the biggest financial decision of their life, helping them find a place that they're going to raise their family, they're going to grow, they're going to they're going to evolve within these homes. And um, so very few real estate agents last over five years. 90% of them drop out, never mind having the success that you've had. So let's dig deep into your life if you don't mind. I want to figure out what's the magic sauce, what's the, what's the elixir to create such amazing results? <laughs> no secret. I'll share everything with you today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So listen, you've been involved in real estate for, um, I think, over 34 years. Am I correct? Uh, since 1983. So it's actually 37 years coming. 37 years and um, you know, how did you get started? I mean, was it just 
Were you born to be a real estate agent or? No, nobody was born an agent. Uh, <laughs> so, well, this question I've answered 1,675 times and today will be the one additional time. So yeah, well, I started in 1983. Uh, you know, if you allow me, basically the year was, uh, there was an acute recession. Uh, I was, by the way, uh, trained as an engineer. I was a professional engineer. So anyway, to cut the long story short, uh, the company that I was with, was the letting go of engineers based on seniority. And I wasn't that senior. I graduated in 1980. So basically, you know, the, the, they were sort of letting us go. Uh, but first they offer us the package. So, uh, you know, if you didn't take it, it would have dropped anyway, the X. So anyway, so I took it. And in hindsight, that was the best thing that ever happened to me, I guess, financially. Got it. Got it. So it was sort of like a, like a push effect. I, I always call it the push and pull effect because at that very same time, I was sort of in the market looking for a house. So, and then uh, through the agent who first introduced me to some homes, he was the one, he was instrumental in telling me, he says, Bill, I think you should go and take the course. He said, I think you'll make a good agent. So with his advice, I took the course and I, I found it rather interesting. So, and then with the uh, pending layoff, so to speak, uh, so it was like the pull effect. That was the push effect pushing me out of the company's door. The pull effect was my interest that was developed after taking the course. So that was that was basically like a by chance I got into this business. You know, this industry is. Um, I mean, you got to market yourself. You have to be extremely driven every single day to, to shamelessly self-promote oneself. Because um, no one, else, you, you know, especially in the beginning. So how did you drive? Did I break my ice? Beginning? How did, yeah, how yeah. did you break, make that happen? <laughs> okay. Uh, I started in this business in a rather uh, very uh, unconventional way. Most people, I would say, I would argue that they, they start off either working with their parents or friends or relatives, selling them their first home or, or list their parents' home or friend's home. Uh, I started as a listing agent, actually. So I did my very first deal as a lister, not as a buyer agent, which was rather unconventional. And the person uh, who listed with me was not my friend or relative. I didn't even know him. His name I still remember, Mr. Becker. I don't, I, I don't want to uh, mention his first name. So anyway, um, so he was a physical or for sale by owner. So I was just talking to him. So I got no sales behind me going into it. He says, so who are you? I didn't know you. And if I were to list it, I'm trying private now, but if I were to list it, I got my neighbors, my relatives, my friends. They were all agents, so you, you don't stand a chance. So that was the kind of <laughs> walls that I was given. Uh, but I did not give up. So I basically, you know, contacting him every few days and and again, make the story short, after a week or so, one night or one evening, he called me. He says, Bill, uh, you have some time tomorrow and I'd like to talk to you. So when I pick up that phone, I say, oh, have I got time for you? So, and then the rest is history. So that's how I got into real estate. I sold actually within a week and the year was 1983 and that was a tough year. You know, the, the industry has changed so much, but... Um you know, FISBOs are pretty much non-existent today in Canada. Uh, it's really in Ontario. Um, and did you make your business 
happen primarily through connecting with FISBOs? Or how did you grow after that first initial sale? Okay. So after that first, there's also always, always a second and the third and the fourth, and then we stopped counting. Uh, my second sale was also a listing, again, from a stranger uh, in the same neighborhood. So once you got the, broken the ice, basically, then it sort of grows from there. Uh, so, and then over time now, I've been at it for so long, uh, I must admit that I'm not going after Fizzbowl uh, on a regular basis at all. It's not my cup of tea. Basically, uh, I got people phoning me if they fail to sell on Fizzbowl. Uh, well, you can say, you know, because of my name now, but certainly I do have, and we'll talk about it later, I'm sure you have those questions as to how I generate my business. So FISBO is not one that I focus on, uh, nor even expired listings. Did you, was there moments in your career um, where you second-guessed being in the business? Uh, I must admit, over the years, ever since I started, and that was within weeks I got my first listing and sold it within a week, I, I have been counting my beans and been counting my blessing. I've been very lucky over the last 30-some years. I have gone through the 1989 to 1997 trough or the recession or in real estate terms, and then, of course, it rode the wave up, and then now 2017 weighed down again. And now with the COVID-19, uh, which we'll talk about later, you know, there's always a debate there. So, so I've seen the ups and downs. And throughout all these years, I must admit, I have been weathering the storm quite well. So in other words, during the downturn, uh, actually my business was not affected that much. I still remember uh, 1997. That was the very bottom of that 1989 to 97 uh, down uh, cycle. Uh, I remember I was number six in Canada. I was number six in Canada. That year I remember because I took a picture with Craig Brockton. He was number one, uh, but as a team. I was number one uh, as an individual. Uh, but uh, in Ontario, at the time, it's not, it wasn't called uh, Remax Integra. It was called Remax Ontario and Atlantic Canada. So for the Remax Ontario Atlantic Canada division, I was the number one agent, 1997. You know, so few agents um, survive, never mind thrive in this business. What has enabled you, Bill, to be the exception? Well, it basically boils down to a few consistent things that one must do. At least it works for me. Uh, when I took the course, I remember two axioms or sayings that the instructor said to me one was to list to last and he said if you haven't got listings you haven't got anything to sell that is basically what we're selling these days or all the years number two is to plan your work and work your plan and to this day i have been following those two sayings to the dots without fail. And along the way, of course, you have to put in your diligence, your dedication and commitment. But those are the, 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 the focus that I have not wavered from. So was that a consistent conversation day to day to get listings? Um, 
you know, what was that work ethic like? You describe that, like your day-to-day method of operation. Okay. I have a, a program like most successful agents should have. Uh, I have, for example, uh, let's stop from uh, farming, which I do farm the areas that I actually lived in also. Uh, so we have consistently uh, a monthly newsletter that goes out to my past client, which are in my database broadcast. And then I also have flyers campaign that goes out uh, at least every month. But in the spring month or prior to the spring month is a, a little bit more frequent because spring market, as we all know, it is, it is our bread and butter. And also majority of the buyers and sellers are doing it in the spring. And closing in the summer, best time to renovate if you need to. And then start a new life in a new area, new community, new school zone in the fall. That has been the case up or down. Doesn't matter what the market is, that never fails. Of course, this year with COVID-19, the spring market is, I would argue, been delayed. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, later. So that is one. And then I have, of course, uh, I call it the multimedia approach to marketing. So I do have my community newspaper, in my case, will be North York Mirror. I do have my ethnic groups, which are also some part of my uh, income source, such as the Chinese, the Persian, the Korean. Those are the three major ethnic groups uh, living and buying in this area by the droves. So and I count myself very blessed in the following ways, because hopefully, uh, you know, I speak English. I do speak. Uh, Chinese, uh, and the two most important ones are uh, Mandarin and and Cantonese. And so I uh, am able to basically provide my client, buyers or sellers, uh, the kind of service that uh, maybe some other agents cannot provide uh, with the linguistic ability and the cultural understanding. Uh, And then further on on my program, of course, besides the flyer campaign, the community newspaper presence at the ethnic newspaper presence. I do have uh, the, the, the Google uh, search, meaning they, they basically just uh, target a certain area and sporadically will come up depending on what people are searching. You know, I, I leave it to the techie. I'm no, long, I'm no longer in the technical business, but I do have a service or at least a platform in Google search web, which if you look at my website or you, if you look at anything related to housing, uh, it will be following you. So that is another social media presence or, uh, or the internet presence. Uh, so basically, and then I have, uh, of course, bus shelters everywhere in, in North York where I work, and also to get a billboard. So in other words, I am surrounding uh, my clients or, or customers pretty much everywhere they go within this area, whether they go online or they drive on the street or they just look into their mailbox or read the community newspaper, they see me. So you're and, building fences around these people. Yes, and that's basically how I view farming. See, a lot of new agents, they constantly ask me, Bill, um, farming, okay, uh, how many do I do? That's the first question. Secondly, how frequently do I do it? I said, well, it depends on your budget too and your staying power. Uh, but that alone, in my opinion, uh, is not, will not suffice. It, it, you need more than that. You need to basically, of course, above all else, uh, the soul sign is the, the, most, the most important one. Okay? Of course, you, you list, you sell, and then you constantly regenerate more business. But before all that, I, I certainly have 
uh, all these things that I just talked about uh, covering the area that I found. In the beginning, you probably didn't have the resources to spend as much as you spend today. True. Was there a percent? I know this gets a little personal. Yeah, I know. But was okay. there? We'll talk percentage. We'll talk percentage. Uh, that's okay. Was there a percentage of every deal that you did that would go back into branding and marketing yourself? Yes. Uh, not every deal. I look at the yearly production and then we just sort of allocate a certain budget. Just like big companies, I, I hate to equate myself to say Microsoft, IBM and the likes. I'm sure they have a budget, right? You know, they do Super Bowl advertising, just one shot for hundreds of millions or whatever it is. Just beyond, it's not my cup of tea. So, but they certainly have a budget. So basically my budget is anywhere around 15 to 20% of my gross income that is my budget and that covers all my expenses in terms of promotion flyers uh, bus shelters billboard and everything uh, and i think that that number and i very careful with that number uh if i can expand on that uh if you're not careful uh and i know there's a lot of new agents they 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 just jump onto the scene and then all of a sudden they got a center fold two-page ad which I don't have two page at. I just have one full page and has been there. In fact, I, I grew from a quarter page to half a page to a page, but I stay there. I grew from one bus shelter, that used to be benches, no longer benches in Toronto. So it was one bench to 12 benches and now 15 shelters. But you see, the thing is people see you growing and staying there or growing. If you're not growing, you should be staying. You should not be diminishing or reducing. So I find this that if, if there's a good advice for new agent is not to go like a hundred meter sprint and put all your energy into that 100 meters and then you got another mile left to run. Okay. So this is like a marathon in this business because, and that is uh, attested by the fact that I've been running for 37 years and still pretty much at the top of the game. And, and thank you, of course, not just to my own hard work, but all my uh, clients who supported me. It's good to hear. Um, yeah, it's very rare to find someone who's been in this game for as long as you've been and near the top. That's extremely, extremely rare. Is there um, any advice you would give to an agent today? Um, how to start off appropriately in today's environment? You know, there are no FISBOs to call because now they, you know, they pay a fee and go with other companies for mere postings, whatever you want to call them. Um, so that game is that you're not supposed to call expires. Um, you know, you can't door knock in COVID. Um, I have never been a door knocker. Okay. Okay. You know, what advice would you give someone today to really start off on the right foot and, and to consistently grow year over year? That's, that's a tough one. But obviously, I like to say when we got started, at least when I got started, the year was 1983, um, the competition then, just judging from my experience, may have been a little bit less. So I think it's a little bit tougher uh, to get started these days. But that doesn't mean nobody will break through. There's always another Bill Tom or, and the likes that will come through. There's always a winner. Uh, so if my advice... Thinking about your question, I would say, hey, 
because the, the business has changed is to very much train yourself well versed in technology okay technology is one area i would certainly focus on meaning uh, instead of doing all this physical presence like bus shelter which can be more costly technology some of them can be for free like youtube posting you can certainly make sure yourself is well shaven and you know well dressed and then post it every week and broadcast it to whoever you have uh, you may have a you may become an influencer right like some of these people you know who talk fashion talk sports talk music you know so you can be an influencer in real estate so i think that will be a cheaper way through technology to start and start influencing in the area but you still have to find the area the niche you don't just go and spread yourself through thin that is another key see you don't want to be known to 10 million people but they're all over the wherever you want to be known to only 5000 10000 let's say even better but not much bigger uh, in an area but you do it consistent the keyword is still consistency the the media through which we do these so called fly campaign or, or or presence have changed and i think if i have to do it all over again yes instead of the physical fly which is not so uh, environmentally friendly even though we use recycled paper and all that i think the media is a better way and and the way to do it which of course is consistent with what we're seeing today we're doing virtual meeting we're doing virtual signing we're doing virtual 3d tour of houses right so everything we're doing is really true technology so that is my advice to new uh, comers to the business and that is to be well versed in technology and utilize them wisely and do them consistently if you were to start today that's great advice by the way if you were to start today would you join a team or would you go on your own again i think joining a team has a lot of benefits uh obviously being part of a team member is not necessarily your long term goal but short term i think it's actually uh, not a bad idea uh, when i started in 1983 there was no team uh, in fact, like I say, 1997, when Craig Proctor got uh, the team award, I got the individual award, we, we took a picture together. That was when the, the team concept emerged, okay, in 1997. Uh, so right now, of course, team is everywhere, and, and definitely it is the way to go, actually. So for newcomers, yes, I would strongly suggest that to, to join a team, pick a good leader, and and uh, you know sometimes you you may work hard and may not get the reward as if you were to be working individually but hey sacrifice a little bit but you got a lot more uh, to learn from the team leader and then by the time you're more matured and known in the area you moved on because you're not signed on to that team forever that's right that's right no it's a great learning environment yeah it's the right team leader for sure when you look out today in COVID, how are you serving your clients through this process? Yeah, uh, well, we certainly got more time uh, at hand. Uh, daily, I still have my routine. I, I phone uh, not the same person every day. I phone uh, a number of people, you know, uh, so that you stay in touch. You want to be, you want to make sure they know that you're still in the business, number one. Uh, phoning, of course, can be quite limited and time-consuming, I must admit. Uh, but also, I have the email broadcast. Uh, in fact, I just sent out my May newsletter or, or 
newsletter, updating them about the sales in April and a month-to-month comparison to 2019 and uh, March to April 2020 comparison. And they all loved it. I got comments back from, from them. Uh, some of them are my potential listers, you know, li- listings rather. Uh, some of them are my old clients. They still like to be informed and they still like to hear from me. And one of the things that we don't do enough, and myself is just as guilty, is the fact that we do not cultivate thoroughly or entirely our database of clients. See, imagine 37 years, of course, given that some of them moved on to other parts of the country or to another country even, uh, or may have passed on. But certainly, I, I must admit, I do not cultivate deep enough all my database, but I do. So uh, I think that is one area uh, for a more established agent, and that is to, to not lose sight instead of cultivating new business, which we do need, new blood and all that. Uh, it is to not forget our past client and keep in touch with them because you never know. They may refer clients, friends, or they themselves after six to seven years, which I find usually need to move. Is there... A- so would you say now that the majority of your business is li- uh, still listings? Oh, yes. I would say my split is about 80-20. About 80-20. Yes. The 20 basically comes from, of course, all my signage calls, my internet call. These days, people do call the listing agent a lot, right? And then we double-end that, uh, you know, if it comes. I mean, we, we're not actively out there looking for them, but, you know, sometimes they come to you. We work with them, of course. Uh, but generally, the listing portion is still the main part. And that, I think, is pretty similar or consistent with most top producers that you have interviewed. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I think that there are a lot of agents who are um, not... Um, I think they're losing a lot of their business from the, from the buy side. So would you consider adding people to your team to handle some of those buy side leads? Uh, I have only two uh, buyers agent. I only have a, a team of three people. Uh, and consistently, they are doing a very good job for my client because if they're not, uh, you know, I'm, I have a very high standard. They won't be in my team much longer after I hear bad feedbacks from my clients. So I find that that is enough so far. And uh, I am always very mindful of not adding uh, at the wrong pace, meaning and all of a sudden you have management problem, right? You, I, I always admire those people who have 10, 12 buyers agents. Uh, I certainly don't have that many, much business to give to 12 people. So if you don't have enough business to feed them, shall we say, then all of a sudden it becomes a management nightmare. Basically, they're going to say, oh, how come you give Susan more than me, Patrick? And then there's rumors going on as to what's happening. Uh, I certainly don't want to have that uh, to deal with. Yeah, yeah, that can be very, very challenging for sure. If you're going to have a team, big team, you got to figure out how to make it rain. You got to figure out how to drive more business and more leads to those people. Exactly. Yeah, very few people do it very well. Very, very, very few. Um, how much is technology going to change the game of real estate for the next, you know, five to ten years? Will I buyers become a prominent thing here in in Toronto? Oh, yeah. Technology has always played a role. So if I can go back in time, I remember when I started, I, I thought that was technology and I, I had this pager, alphanumeric pager. Uh, in fact, sorry, I correct myself. It was not even alphanumeric. 
when, when I started 1983, it was a plain seven digit. Back then you didn't need 10 digits to call anybody, okay? So you just got a seven digit page. So, and then when I got page with that seven digit, I would call, I said, well, I got page and you call me. I did not even know the name because there was not alphanumeric precisely. I would just say, okay, I, I call back because you page me, all right? So that was then. And then of course, Blackberry in black and white came along, that's alphanumeric and then mobile emails. And then the fax machine came along that released us from having to run around town with the offers. I don't know, when, you, when did you get into business uh, in this field? I'm well, I'm 46, so I do remember the fax machine, remember the Blackberry, remember the pager. Okay, um, you've the been in the business, what, 20, 20 years now? Uh, I've been in real estate now, 2009, uh, started off in Oakville. Uh, area and we might so 11 years yeah yeah so yeah the the fax machine I remember when trap alternative what uh, actually deemed a fax copy being a legal like true copy that was 1988 I remember and now who uses fax machine right you see how technology changes everything and then in the advance of the internet I hear I remember hearing this vividly and I say to them this back then is it okay with the internet uh, people are going to buy and sell through the internet. There's no need for us. So our business is doom and gloom. Well, we should pack up and, and, and become, uh, I don't know, sell burgers in the McDonald's. Uh, and I said to them, no. And, and jokingly, I said this. I said, until such time that, uh, and this could be maybe sensitive politically, I said, until such time that the PLO and the Israelis can talk peace without a middle person in the same room, okay, uh, the middle person or the salesperson in this case is always needed. So because you have conflicting interests between buyers and sellers is, in, and that is, a, I can prove this easily because you got visible. There's still people, there's one house in my neighborhood that's still for sale by neighbor. They don't go through those uh, $500 listing company. Uh, but then can you imagine the buyers were looking to buy privately? They're going to knock you down in price because they assume you're going to save that five, six percent commission. Uh, they're going to save it all to themselves. And then the agent, I mean, the seller wants to save that same five, six percent. There's a conflict right there. And then when you start talking badly about my house, the next thing you know, somebody is going to get hurt. So bottom line, our business has been transformed by technology and by the times that we are living through. But we will be here. Like I said, this business will be here. So technology is the key. So how has COVID-19 changed our, our way of handling this business? Very simply, I already mentioned it earlier, we are now doing the virtual signing, which is DocuSign. We're doing virtual 3D open house. In fact, I've been doing that for quite a few years. Uh, in fact, I am not a big fan of physical open houses. It is my slogan, actually, on North York Mirror has been posted there on the very permanent, uh, what they call fixed portion page of my ad that says your home sold without open houses. And I've been claiming and printing that for the last easily eight to 10 years. So I did sell a lot of homes and truly by appointments only. And I can actually, if you allow me, take about three to five minutes to illustrate to you why open houses benefits more the agents rather than the seller. But I, I think maybe this is not the time to do it. But so basically, I cannot wait to, to see when trap actually physically disallowed open houses that I don't believe no houses will be sold. 
So anyway, it comes right back to this COVID-19, which is actually my dream come true. Basically, then we're doing now 3D virtual tour or open houses. Ultimately, nobody will typically, anyway, buy a house without physical viewing. So it will lead to that ultimate viewing. So open houses, you get your neighbors, you got a qualified buyer who wants to buy one million when you're doing an open house for three million. It doesn't make sense. Or, or, or they're looking for 800,000 when you're doing for, for, for 500,000. So bottom line, the, the technology that we, we, we're now at hand and there will be a lot more coming uh, is the way to go. And that's why I cannot stress enough. And I myself, I'm 63, I was an engineer. I always try to keep myself up to date with all the technologies that are available at my disposal to do this business and do it efficiently. Yeah, you know, um, I've been watching, um, I agree with you. Like, I wrote down something, it's something that I, other agents ask me or people I'm working with ask me and say, you know, why are we still in business? Or, you know, why will we still be in business for a long time? I said, there's three reasons, fear, ego, and greed. Those things right there. People are fearful of making a mistake. Ego on both sides of the equation and greed on both sides of the equations require us to be in the center of that transaction. Exactly. And that's, and I don't see that changing. Um, not for a long, long, long time, unless humanity changes. That's right. No, the, yeah, I think that the agency, uh, in fact, a lot of people don't see this. Lawyers, for example, it's a form of agency, right? Lawyer is an agent representing a client, and we are an agent representing a client. So lawyers' business will be there, as we know it, and our business will survive. It's just the way we're doing things have changed. Like I say, from, from alphanumeric pages to BlackBerry to fax machine to email attachment now to DocuSign, how that way of commun communicating or signing document has changed. Uh, but the business remains the same. People still want to buy. People still want to sell. People still need the services that we need. And especially now in this day when people are very professional and specialization is the key. So meaning they haven't got the time to really go and look at physical or look at the property themselves. So they say, okay, I'm an accountant. I'm a doctor. Bill Tom, just look for 2 million to 2.5 in this area for me. And I want you to pre-screen them. Okay, make sure it's at least satisfy my basic needs. And, and some ones, and, and then you show me. So very streamlined, very efficient. <clears throat> and with an experience like I have, usually we don't show more than eight to 10 homes, and we, on average, we, we sell the home. And that is very efficient for, for the buyer, right? And for this, it's the same for the seller. We don't take like forever to sell a house, maybe average a month or less, <clears throat> depending on the market's uh, uh, timing, of course. Uh, and that's all what they want. Uh, I, I realized two things sellers want from us all the time. They haven't changed so, so over the years. A, they want to sell at the highest price. B, they say, Bill, can you sell it with no showings? I'm just kidding. One showing. If you can just bring the one buy and pay me that, house, that number that I want, that is what I want. They want the price. They want the least inconvenience to their lifestyle. Yep. And that is basically what we provide. What drives me every day is the ability to be able to help people, if it is a buyer, to find them a home, should it be a first home or upgrading homes, uh, it's just the same. Or, or, or new immigrants coming to the new community and they don't know anything about schools and we can help them by providing extra information or, that they need, which they very much base on to buy a house 
as to the area that they want to buy a home in, and the sellers who may need to downsize because of empty nesters, right? right. These are, and I, I don't want to use it, more senior folks that they need help because you know, they, they're getting on, they're empty nesters, they don't need a big home, they move on to the, the, the senior homes and, and because of their children's advice, and we are there to help them to relocate. Now, do you mind if I push back a little bit on the working hard thing and, and the mailing thing? Do you mind if I just go a little bit yeah. deeper on that? I was thinking about that while you were chatting and, you know, there's a lot of agents that spend a lot of money and um, it's got to be more than just working hard. It's got to be more than working hard. What, you know, if you look inside yourself, you know, there has to be something different than just being consistent. There's got to be something. Can you tell it for me? Okay, I, I tried, but I, I certainly think this could be that something, at least that not only I have, but uh, that we need to provide in order to have longevity in this business. And that is, you have to prove to people and show and prove to people that you're sincere in your effort to help. And, uh, and you put them, their best interests first. Quite frankly, uh, financially, I'm quite uh, relaxed and all that. I'm still at it because I enjoy still the business. Otherwise, I would have packed up and, and, and say, hey, you know what? I'm out of here. But I'm still doing it and at a very high level because I still enjoy the business and I still have the desire to help people. So, And you cannot fake that. You may be able to fake a deal or two. You cannot fake it over time. No, you, you, a couple of years of working really hard, I think you can, but then you burn out. If you you burn out, exactly. So one statistic I have not actually covered, which was not prompted, but now that's sort of related to answering your question, is the fact that now 60% of my business, for the last, I would say I lost count, at least five to eight years, uh, are from repeat or referral. 60%. Now, repeat referral, I don't have to define that. I even got second generations, buyers and sellers. Yes, the parents bought from me or sold through me, and now the kids come calling. It says, Bill, when I was a young lad, my dad drives me around the neighborhood. I used to see a sign and you have that phone on your ears. Now here I am, I graduated one. I remember a lady who was a corporate lawyer, graduated from Harvard, even came back and said, now I'm, I'm moving with my boyfriend. I want to sell my condo and, and uh, this one, two, two condos become one, so sell it for me. And she told me that story. She said, Bill, I was watching you when I was a young lad. So I am actually getting second generations buyers and sellers already. So you, part of the magic is that you actually like what you do it's not just about the money it has been for quite a long time i have not been thinking i'm not consciously in fact there's another saying that i learned from i forgot whom uh, it was actually from another agent but i just don't remember who now um he said those agents who need money usually don't do well but those agents who for lack of a better word, one money, they probably will do well. Now, you see, for me, I don't need any more money as such, okay? Uh, but I am doing it because I enjoy the business, the, 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 the joy of helping people to relocate, either to find a home or to sell their home. So truly, I never focus 
100% at all on, oh, when I do this deal, I'm going to make this much. No, it will happen. It just happened. So every year I've been at the top because I did not consciously think about it when I negotiate. I did not say, okay, well, if I do this, you know, let, let's, let's do it quick and then we do the deal and then we'll just move on and that's it. No, I do the best I can 80% of the time for my sellers. And that's why I got those testimonial letters, which I posted on my website yeah. consistently. I got it in all the languages practically that you can find. Romanian, Persian, Russian, Polish, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, Greek, Hebrew, I got everything, literally. So you can go to my website and take a look. And I pride myself. So one of these days when I retire, I'm going to go through them. Not that I can read Hebrew, but I'm going to look at them and say, well, that was from this gentleman or that couple. I would have been impressed if you would have said Aramaic. <laughs> <laughs> that I would need some divine help. <laughs> <laughs> that would have blown me away. I'm just teasing. Yeah. You know, um, I love to leave our listeners with an actionable strategy that they can implement on a day-to-day -day basis um, to um, attain some peak results in their business. And it doesn't matter what business they're in. The reason why I like interviewing real estate agents is because it's a hard business. Things take yeah. a long time. You've got to market yourself. You've got to negotiate. There's... You're going to self-brand. There's so many facets to this business that is, I think, it's an MBA in business, real estate. <laughs> I believe that, right? Yes. It's the financial world. I mean, we acquire assets, right? That's what we did. Here, I got to market. I got to get people to know, like, and trust me. And then I got to find the inventory. And there's so many different facets to this business. If you were to tell your children today, you need to do this, this, and this to make it. What would you tell them? In real estate? In real estate. In real estate, okay. The first thing that I have to remind people, this is not a 100 meter dash. Okay. That is the first thing you have to realize. And this is a long a marathon or beyond marathon or three time marathon, whatever it is. Until you throw in the towers, you're still running. And so because of that, we're talking longer term. So in other words, when you... These are the few things I would say, but all sprouted under the umbrella of longevity or long running, not, not a, a, a dash. So basically, you plan your work, execute your plan, and be diligent and consistent about it, and have the desire and the joy in doing that. Now, if you don't like this business, you should not be in the business. In fact, this saying is the same. It goes for all business. If you don't like to be a doctor just because of money you want to be a doctor don't be a doctor because it will be a pain for you okay like my, my daughter is a doctor but she loved it when she was like six i never once told her you know to be a doctor so she's enjoying it that's good good for her so bottom line you have to like what you do plan it do it consistently and don't look for short-term results and that for example i can say if you say okay let's do bill flyers for three months and i didn't get a call you quit and you must well not start, I will tell you. I got so many new agents coming to me and say, Bill, how frequently do I do it? How long do I do it? What's the volume? Then I, of course, it's easier for me to say, I say, what's your budget? Then if your budget is this much, I say, you do a smaller volume, like a thousand instead of five thousand. And then you run out of ammunition in three months. I will say you will last 15 months when you do a thousand. Do that. Instead of doing 5,000, don't do it so big. Do it smaller, but more consistently and for a longer time. 
because you may not see anything in six months, let alone three months. So those are the things that I want to leave with the newcomers, and that is to keep in mind, hey, we are doing it for the long haul. It's a business. It is not a job. It is not a wage or salary that we're making. We have a business plan, and that business plan is long-term and yet short-term. Let me explain what I mean. Every year, I set a goal, and I usually do that in the woods, by the way. In the fall, I kick the leaves walking. I live in the ravine property. I kick the leaves. I think about my next year's goal. Then I will set the goal. I write it down. Of course, you do. And my goals are not just financial, by the way. My goals uh, are financial, definitely relationship, definitely health, and my self-interest, meaning hobbies. Okay? Why do I set those goals collectively? Because I then would have a more balanced approach to my business and my life. Because I, I see too many people. 37 years I have seen so many come and gone. You know, they make a big splash. Uh, one hit, two hit, one, just like those pop music scene, and then they disappear. I always jokingly say to my client, I said, look, I'm still standing up all these years like Elton John. When he chose. <laughs> so, so basically, that's how I look at myself. So in other words, you have to have a long-term plan, and yet you change your plan once you reach a certain goal. And in setting goals, this is my advice. Do not set the goal too low. Otherwise, it's not much of a goal. At the same time, don't set it so high that it is becoming unrealistic, not attainable. You have to be successively realistic, achievable goal. And then once you achieve that, you set it higher. You raise the bar, of course. You don't stop at platinum. You go on to the next level, chairman, and then you go to the diamond. And then diamond, you want to be in the top 10, top 20 at least in the, in the country. So that's how you set your goal. You do not set your goal from zero start and then say, hey, I want to be diamond next year. No, that is a very hefty goal, but then that may not be realistic. And that way you feel dejected. You feel uh, you're disappointed and you feel like you, you're failure. And that's not what you want. So very important to set goals. Very important to have a long-term plan. Very important to have a short-term goal. And once achieved, raise it higher. Raise the bar. Always raise the bar. There's no end to it, by the way. Until you reach a point where you say, you know what, I no longer want money, uh, that four things that I just mentioned that much, I want more, develop my relationship with my family, my friends more, or, or travel a little bit more, then it's still a balance. So what is success to me is not just because I was number 10 or number six in Canada. Uh, that is part of the measures. To me, is how my year has become, how my year has come about, meaning this year, I talk to my children more. That's a good thing. Uh, and then I make the same level or better than last year. That's a good thing. Again, okay, my health, uh, is it about the same or have I deteriorated big time? Because your health is your chips. You haven't got health, you can't even wake up tomorrow and, and, and make the calls. So these are all the things I look at for being a successful year. I don't take Measures, oh, because I was top 16 last year in the country, I was successful. Sure, that was a measure, but not the absolute measure. So I think I've said enough there. There's a lot of things to, 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 to focus on, but that is truly, if you want to be in the business and stay in the business as a business, I use the word business, 
you have to have those goals. Otherwise, you get burned out. Yeah, I could see that. And you have to love the process every day. Because if you define it as doing the deal, you may not do a deal that day. So that's not a successful day in some people's mind. But if if you define, I love the process every single day. That's the magic in the business. And And it sounds like you still enjoy the process on a day-to-day basis. Every sale is different. Uh, I have a very unique mindset that I can remember every, literally every house that I, I sold. In fact, uh, just to share with you, I, am I talking too long-winded so far? Am We're I, good. We'll wrap we up. Good? Well, you can edit this out if you like. Uh, and you're going to be blown away with, with this, uh, this episode here. So one time I was showing a listing. It was by appointments only. So this buyer came with a wife uh, and, uh, and a friend. And that friend came in. He was sort of not looking at me with eye contact. You know, he was just sort of going through with it. But I recognized him from the get-go. I said, oh, I've seen this guy before. Then while I was showing the house, I was churning in my head as to who he was. And then I, re- I remember. So I, I retreat from my hard drive. I remember who he was. So after showing the house on their way out, I asked the potential buyer. I said, okay, any questions, any you know, things that you want to ask? He said, no, no, no. Then... I turned to that gentleman who was uh, avoiding eye contact. Then I addressed him by his name. I then mentioned to him, I said, okay, I remember you invited me to, to give you a presentation, but I did not get the listing. I even told him. I even told him uh, who got the listing. I don't want to mention the name. And I then mentioned to him the following. I said, well, I remember in your master bedroom when you're lying down the top right-hand corner, you can see there was a, a little patch of a leak I remember to this detail, he was blown away. And then the last thing I said, I said, uh, I'll point you to the wise, are you still working at CIBC for the risk analysis? I remember weird things like that. So I think this is another thing that helped me in my business. I can remember things and people feel very uh, uh, happy that you remember, say, their name or their house or whatever things that in the past. Uh, and, and being okay one last thing I want to share today if I may uh, linguistically I already mentioned cultural understanding is another one that I want to talk about if I can share that with you 100% uh, I am a uh, um, I like to think of myself as a all-rounder I was an athlete in high school I was a provincial level back in the old countries I was uh, but still it was a provincial level I got a bronze medal in 400 meters so I was a competitor so no question uh, I travel a lot. I like to read a lot. I, so I have a fair understanding of history, politics, uh, and, and culture. So I find that helps me in my business because I walk in, especially in Toronto, there's so many ethnic groups. I walk in, I already know, okay, this is a Greek family. I can talk, trust me. I, I know Alexander is not to be Greek, Macedonian, and so on. You, you, you can talk, and I've been to Greece three times. So I sort of know the area. So you have some common things to break the ice, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier when you know that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've learned a lot, you know, because I got my start in Oakville, Burlington area, and then we moved up to Barrie and Barrie has really grown in terms of, um, um, it's becoming more of a melting pot. And yes, uh, it's the bedroom community for Toronto has been for the last 25 years. It's, and it has itself become a, a community. Yeah, of course, it is a, it is a city. It's, it's a full city, but I've learned a lot about dealing with um, 
different ethnic groups and it's been it's been a wonderful experience um you know i admire you very much i gotta tell you you know to stay on top of this game and not burn out is very difficult you must really love what you do physical uh, exercise too is important i do that daily you do uh, that daily. Okay. daily every day so even in winter time if i don't go out to the gym which i do sometimes but i don't go every day i still do some stretching uh, and some muscle toning you know i don't do a lot of heavy weights lifting anymore i'm not going to yeah. be Arnold Schwarzenegger anytime soon but I, at least my muscle mass is still there definitely is important to have so I pre so I want to just kind of summarize what you said. So health is extremely important. Um, goals in your business are really important. Goals in your family life are really important. And your hobbies, things that are uh, of interest to you to pursue. So you're trying to keep yourself really well-rounded. Yes. And that's what's keeping you healthy. Yes. Okay. Yes. I play music and oftentimes I do deals while waiting for a sign back. During those days when there was a need for running around to sign back. I play the piano, I play the guitar and keep my, my clients. You see how difficult it is to do a deal. You have to be a musician, you have to be a linguist, you have to be a cultural attache, you know. It's, it takes a lot of talent to these days to sell a house. Sure does. Well, I appreciate <laughs> you very much. You've given us a lot of information in a short period of time, so I'm sure I'm going to go back and dissect everything you've said. And I really appreciate the time that you spent with us today. Um, I know once you give... Time, you don't get it back so I do appreciate your time and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate everything that you've shared with us today so thank you very much thank you Richard for inviting me and hopefully uh, what I said will help somebody and that's my intent among other things to join in with this uh, discussion uh, because uh, of course we all have to start somewhere I sure hope somebody listening to me if they will will benefit if not entirely at least take away one part of it. Uh, it will be, it will be very, very good for me. I will feel very grateful for that. Well, it, you have you, you've given a lot of information, and I and I've learned a lot from you, and um, some things that you've reinforced for me, and some things I you've given me food for thought to focus on for later. So I appreciate you very much, and I look thank you, Richard. Acting personally, I'm glad I I'm I'm glad I touched you somehow, somewhere. You know, hopefully you can take away one or two pointers from what I said and apply to your business. I will. And I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you are fit to work with Peak Results Academy, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. That's peakresultsacademy.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what do you really want out of life and your business? Number two, what is not working for you today? And number three, the exact strategy you should be using to create massive change in these areas. Remember, changing your life and creating massive results does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We're helping clients all over the world create peak results in their health, in their businesses, and in their personal lives. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to peakresultsacademy.com call. We'll chat soon.